Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is a simple handmade everyday podcast where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, sometimes knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and a little bit about self-care, productivity, and keeping a cozy, organized home. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so grab yours and let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 85. Welcome, welcome friends, new and old. How are you guys? It is a beautiful spring morning here in Southern California, early April. We're having some very nice um, kind of high 60 degree weather today. It's absolutely lovely to hang out outside. And then it's going to get bloody hot for the rest of the week, like way too hot for March. It's crazy. The ups and downs we're going through. So grab your cup of tea or coffee or whatever you like to drink. I have um, something new to me. It's Harney and Sons. Japanese Sencha green tea. I mentioned last podcast that for my birthday, one of my kids got me this big, um, it's called the gray linen tea box. It's just absolutely impressive looking, almost like the size of a, of a board game box. And you open it up and it has all this beautiful selection of, of very nice quality teas. So I'm trying a new one to me, a green tea, Japanese Sencha, and it is perfect for this little afternoon. I, uh, I'm drinking a little less caffeine, so just a little right now, so just a little bit of caffeine in a green tea is, is kind of perfect for the afternoon. So what else is going on? Um, I mentioned before that we've got two dogs now, and that has been really taking up, frankly, a lot of my time. I've never had two dogs before, and <laughs> one of them, the new little guy whose name is Ollie, we maybe had not named him um, uh, for my last podcast. His name's Oliver call him Ollie. He's a little bit of a crazy dude. And uh, so we actually have taken the step to sign up for some dog training classes. Um, we've, we got away without doing that with our last dog and it was never a great idea. So I'm, I'm happy to learn how to do things right here. You know, the other thing that we've gotten into, which I'm almost embarrassed to tell you, is we've gotten into cooking their food, like giving them real food. Um, this happened with the, the rescue that the second dog came from, he came with this food called Just Food for Dogs that you can buy. And it's like the, the most affordable one of those is this mixture of ground turkey and some vegetables and whole wheat macaroni and um, things like that. Like you could eat it. I wouldn't, but you could. And that is, it was frankly too expensive to maintain that. And so we looked into it and I actually just bought a cookbook. But we've been sort of batch cooking every week or two, a big thing and freezing, um, keeping half in the fridge and half in the freezer. Um, a couple different recipes that involve like ground turkey and carrots and zucchini and sweet potatoes and broccoli and an egg and some turmeric. And one of them has brown rice and one has the whole wheat macaroni. And and man, do they love it. We, are, we still have a lot of kibble left over, so we're still mixing a little kibble in there. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of fun. It, feel, it feels good to give dogs... Um, you know, food that they really like. Because, you know, if you're like me, you've always been told, give them kibble, don't give them um, wet food. But um, we did some research and giving them real food is actually good for them. So anyway, so that's a, a new hobby. <laughs> it's cooking for dogs. So um, uh, last weekend, we headed down to San Diego, which again, we are so blessed that all three of our kids are in San Diego two graduated from college and working and, and one at school so we took the youngest back after spring break and we were able to celebrate um, my oldest Chloe her birthday um, and 
That was a, a very fun day. Her birthday is right at spring break, which was always great when she was in school because she almost never had to go to, birth, to school on her birthday. Well, the problem is, is whatever outing you try to plan is always crazy. I know one time we went to Disneyland on her birthday and it was like a terrible idea. So um, we're in San Diego looking for something to do and everywhere we went, it was just packed out. And then um, one of my sons said, remember that... Um, what was it called? A treasure hunt thing? Scavenger hunt. That's the word. We, we did one time in Ventura and it was something that I had bought as like a Christmas gift and it was very fun. So it's an app. It's called Let's Roam. I'll put a link in the show notes. It used to be called scavengerhunt.com, but I think someone bought them out. And um, actually for San Diego, um, he just downloaded a free trial because we just wanted it for one day and um, picked the gas lamp district of san diego as a treasure hunt and so it's just it's on the phone and he they have you go um from kind of landmark to landmark and they're not huge landmarks they're like this is the first bank building or this is the you know this this is where uh wyatt earp used to meet people at (laughs) that was one of them i had there's a whole like wyatt earp thing in the gas lamp district um, because it's just right off the coast of san diego there right so pretty close inland so people could come in on ships pretty easily but anyways um yeah we just bopped around like tourists san diego just finding um you know you you find a landmark and you usually have to take a picture or you um of yourself doing something or you find some sort of piece of information off of the placard there but it was about an hour and a half of just hanging out walking outside in san diego on a beautiful day spending time together so that was that was wonderful um and then we did again dinner in little italy in san diego which is beautiful so um yeah so that kind of filled filled my cup again to get the family together like that and i guess that's about i've got you caught up so let's head into our quilting segment But before we do, as always, I'd like to thank the Fat Quarter Shop for sponsoring the podcast. The Fat Quarter Shop is a one-stop show for quilting fabrics and supplies for quilters around the world. They stock quilt shop quality fabrics, pre-cuts, quilt kits, patterns, notions, and even cross-stitch supplies. There's a couple things I want to tell you about them this month. This month, the basic of the month, which is 20% off of yardage and pre-cuts, is Zen Chic's spotted lines um zen chic is a is a moda line and i absolutely love her stuff and she has this line called spotted which these are absolutely gorgeous fabrics of all different colors but they read like us they read like a solid they're a tone on tone but have um just so much more interest than a solid so you use them you could use them anywhere you'd use a solid but it just gives it um that little added oomph and i absolutely love them so it's a perfect time to stock up on those especially those neutral backgrounds if oh, that's what i'm going to do i love those so check that out i'll put a link in the show notes and the other thing i wanted to talk about is this awesome i think you would call it it would fall under the category of notions that a fat quarter shop sent me and it is called the daisy bees knees book stand so this is um from Lori holt of being my bonnet um she has a whole line of really just fun notions in addition to fabrics and patterns um i just i love her stuff and so what this is it's a it's a book stand and it's this buttery yellow and it's perfect it's in my sewing room i've been using it so it's perfect to hold a pattern book or just you know patterns um right there you know for me sometimes i'm tacking them up on the wall or i'm constantly shuffling shuffling my patterns around on the table they're always in the way but i just i need to double check construction or measurements or things like that so i love having this it's an upright you know it's kind of like 
if you could picture a cookbook holder or something like that. So, I mean, obviously you can use it for your tablet or a design board. I saw somebody online that had their design board kind of propped up at an angle right next to their sewing machine for just like a, for a block. And I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. Mine's always kind of just flat down. So I might try that as well. Um, it's metal. And that's cool because it's a great place to store needle minders. I love using needle minders when I am hand stitching or doing a binding, things like that, but I can never find them. <laughs> you know, if you're like me, I've got stuff stashed everywhere and I can never find my needle minders. So now I have them right on this, you know, cause they're magnetic, right? So they stick right on um, this little stand. So it's very cute. Definitely check it out. I will put a link in the show notes. All right, let's talk quilting. When last I left you, I was telling you that I had one more block to make in my Sunshine and Shadows um, scrap quilt and that it was going to be kind of a black and white or a very dark gray and white, but I had no fabric like that left in my stash after making masks. And my quilty friends came to the rescue and thank you, several people reached out to me and said, do you still need fabrics? because um, I'll, I'll send you some. But um, the first two people, uh, my friend Francis from the Off Kilter Quilt and Patty from Elm Street Quilt, they completely bailed me out, sent me fabrics, and I made it. And I'll take a picture of the block. It's, it's very pretty. So then that was my 12th block for my 12 block quilt, my three by four layout. And I put it all together. And um, I don't love it. I, I love the pattern. It's not the pattern. So it's just... You know, I'm not, I'm not too into chaos. I like things. I like very controlled color palettes and I love every single individual block. I love the navy block. I love the kind of pinky purpley block. I love the greeny blue block. I love the light gray block. I love the black block, but all together, I, you know, I don't hate it, but I'm just like, yeah, this is not my favorite quilt. So I have not sewn those blocks together and that won't take very long. It's just 12 big blocks. Um, but I kind of wonder if I wouldn't have liked it more if I personally restricted the color palette more, if I kept them all kind of in the pastel, you know, the pastel range, you know, kind of a little bit more soft or more on the brighter side. Instead, I kind of mixed those two thinking that would be more interesting. So live and learn. Um, but I'm not going to change anything. I'm going to sew it up. It's quilt. Um, I, I still, I like it, but I was just like, oh, this is not exactly how I expected it to come out. But you know, that's just the way it is. Uh, so the next big quilt on my list <laughs> is Cabin Valley, which I have already made one. So I, um, it's Cabin Valley by, I think it's Cotton and Joy. Absolutely love this pattern. Love the palette she made it in. And when I um, made it last time when I bought the fabric it, it takes like I think it's nine fat quarters and I bought half yards of each of those so I have enough to make a second quilt and I really love this quilt but I have a niece who is going through a very significant health crisis right now and I was like she needs this quilt so off I packed the cabin valley to her and I know she's already received it I've already seen her picture of her snuggling with her young son in it and so you know I really love having a, a stash of quilts that are ready to go um, which is why I'm so glad that I never had kind of put this into the rotation so I was able to just you know I I, I did a a, a poll in the simple handmade every 
day Facebook, private Facebook group about whether or not you wash a quilt before you send it. And I would say that overwhelmingly people wash it. I never used to, but um, you know what? They're so much snugglier once you do. I was so glad that I did that. Plus I do have pets and so I think it's good to to wash them. But I had my um, handpiece quilt along quilt. I, you know, these were two quilts that I had, you know, kind of recently finished, the Cabin Valley and the handpiece quilt along harmony quilt. And they were just kind of sitting out um, like sort of decoratively, but not to be used. Actually, the handpiece quilt along one was in the couch in the front room. It could have been used, but you know, they're, they're so pristine looking at first because I do not pre-wash fabrics that I, I did not feel inclined to grab it because, it, you know, they're a little bit stiff. And so after I washed this, um, the Cabin Valley before I mailed it off, I'm like, okay, this is what you got to do because it just, you know, you got the, the crinkle and it softens everything up. And so now I've used um, the, the Harmony quilt multiple times because it's so inviting. So I've changed my ways on that. Um, but that, that felt really good. I, I mentioned early on when I started this podcast that it was my goal to be a less selfish quilter and to send out, send people quilts, um, inspired by, um, a quilter in our community that died several years ago and her children told people to, when they came to the funeral to bring, um, anything she'd made them and the whole church was covered in quilts and I thought wow that that's a legacy and so that's when I kind of changed my ways on that before that I was a self-declared selfish quilter so um I received my uh layer cake of the new um French general line called um La Vie Boheme and you know I love me a French general line so I'm gonna get going on my table topper project and I think I might have enough so I bought the the, the layer cake which is all off-whites and faded reds and yummy blues and there were two so you know she has some solids that go with it one's kind of an off-white linen-y type and one's this yummy blue that's totally my signature color a soft you know not a baby blue I don't I, I need to know the name of it but a very nice blue and I wasn't sure which way I wanted to go with the borders and now I'm realizing you know you've got enough in that layer cake you could just make this thing double-sided you could just make one with the off-white border and one with the blue border and I, that could be a little bit tricky to um, get them positioned to quilt and bind but with the borders you've got a little bit of forgiveness there so anyways I might attempt a double-sided table runner so I'll tell you one thing I was thinking about I'm not sure how it came up um, but I started thinking about quilt guilds and I'll make a note to her I'm gonna put a little star by this so remember um, I'll put a, a poll again or a question in the um, Facebook group the uh, private Facebook group, not the, the Facebook page, where we can kind of just talk a little more freely. But are you a member of a quilt guild? I am feeling like I would like to be. There are a couple quilt guilds in my area, and I have tried them both years ago. I'm thinking now about, you know, my son being in second grade and it not really working out. Well, he's in college now. <laughs> so maybe I'm at a different point in my life. But um, where I am, the Camarillo Quilters is a huge guild. Um, there's a retirement community in that town. And so it's a, a very big active guild. I love to like donate things to them because I know they go to, to good use. But 
um, you know, it's mostly retired people. So it meets at, I can't remember, you know, nine or 10 o'clock. I'm actually not even sure they're back in person yet, to be honest with you. But that was always just a little bit because I do work and I I am very flexible. I, um, you know, I could go to anything I want to go to, but it just... Um, there, there always was an excuse why this wasn't a good day to go. And then there's another quilt guild in um, Thousand Oaks that met at night and it, it kind of skewed younger age-wise. Um, and it met like at 7 p.m. So I tried that one for a while and I even volunteered at a quilt show. I mean, I really tried to kind of break in socially and um, it just never worked. Like I just never could get any traction with um friendships in that quilt and after I after I worked a weekend at the quilt show and still felt like I didn't know anyone I'm like I'm done <laughs> um, and there is a modern quilt guild in Ventura and they're pretty awesome I did a meeting when they when it was on zoom during lockdown um, because I'm the problem there is that um, it's about 40 minutes away from me at a time that's rush hour traffic to get there. It's like, I don't, I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know how to make that work either. So, um, but I really, I feel like I, I would like that camaraderie of a, uh, of a quilt guild, just the, the relationships and the, um, I don't know, the inspiration and the uh, sort of, I don't know, I want to call it competitiveness, but just like that, you know, thing that, that kind of keeps you, you you doing stuff because there's an expectation because you want to show something, you know, like that. So um, like at that big Camarillo Quilt Guild, like I felt like there was no way I would get up and show a quilt. <laughs> I mean, it's like there's there's 200 people there, you know, it just seemed like that would be, that would be hard. So anyways, I'm curious um, if you guys are members of Quilt Guilds, um, do they meet? online are they in person does it add to your life does it seem like just a an extra burden I'm just I'm just curious about that all right let's talk knitting for a few brief moments I have just been having such an urge to knit lately and what's funny is that basically because of my new second dog I can't knit he just is after the yarn and you know I'm working on that big elementary wrap and and the actual knitted piece he's just like on it biting on it pulling on it like he's a cat (laughs) you know like he is so drawn to it so I I don't know really how to work knitting back into my life anymore which it's making me sad because I'm just have this itch to knit a sweater I don't know why I just I'm following more knitting accounts on social media and um and I just, I need to find the right, well, I have a sweater pattern that I need to rip off the sleeves and do them again. And on, then and only then will I allow myself to try to find a new pattern. But I do have a lot of requirements for a knitted sweater. And one of them, I feel like, and tell me if you knitters out there, if you know what I'm talking about, so many of, of knitted sweaters that I see the necks are really wide. Like people are, you can see like they're, you know, they're like wearing a a t-shirt or something under it and you can see it. I'm like, why, why are these necks so wide? (laughs) I just, it's like, I don't, if I want, I knit a sweater, I do not want it to look homemade. You know what I mean? Not that it needs to look factory made, but there's like a difference here. I want it to look handmade, not homemade. If you, I don't know, do you know that difference? Um, I remember back in the day when the show Nitty Gritty was on, which I loved so much, um, a professional knitter said that blocking is the difference between homemade and handmade. And I would say that for sewing, it's pressing. Pressing is the difference between homemade and handmade. Um, 
So anyways, I need to find the right sweater. And every time I think I find one, then I, I go on to Ravelry and I look at the ones that, that normal people have knitted. I did this the other day and I thought, oh, this is it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy this pattern. And then when I saw, you know, like not the perfect six foot, 120 pound model wearing it, like I saw a normal person, like, oh yeah, that's not what I'm going for. So we'll see. But I don't even know when knitting is going to come back into my life. It's it's making me a little sad. But it's funny that I'm thinking about it because I realized last year that basically every June I cast on socks. <laughs> and I think it's because that happens to me. I mean, it's I didn't realize it was a pattern until I looked back on it. But um, it's something that I can do sitting outside. And I always want to be outside, especially in like June and July. The weather's very nice here. But socks are, you know, they're not it's not like having a sweater or a scarf on your lap. You know, it seems like a, it's a nice lightweight thing to, to knit. So, so anyways, um, I'm, I'm going to have to do some thinking about, um, getting this dog trained so that I can actually get back to knitting sometime. All right, let's move on to books. Um, I don't have as much to talk about as I thought. I usually keep pretty good track of what I'm, what I've read. And I was going back through, uh, my Kindle orders and my Libby orders. I'm just like, you have not really read that much. So I finished The Little Shop of Found Things, which I talked about a couple podcasts ago. Um, so I won't go into that again, but I absolutely did enjoy that book. I'll put it back in the show notes. Right now, I am reading a book called The Forest of Vanishing Stars by Kristen Harmel or Harmel. I'm not sure how to say that, but this is a recommendation from my friend Patty. Judic over at uh, Elm Street Quilts. Um, we have very similar tastes in books. And as soon as she told me about it, I put um, a request in on Libby. And it took months and months for it to finally come in. And then for whatever reason, I didn't start it right away. This is the story of my life. And then I'm just like, oh my gosh, this book is due in nine days. I have to read this whole book in nine days. I need to get going. So I'm, I'm in good shape. According to my Kindle reader, I have about two hours left to go and it's, it's still, I have a week, so I'm good. So The Forest, Forest of Vanishing Stars is another World War II um, novel, which I do love ever so much. This is a completely kind of different take on it, I feel. So I'm about, I think I'm about 60% done. And I don't always love talking about books before I finish them, but I got nothing else to talk about. So um, so it is about a little girl who is taken by a woman when she's two years old. She's taken by this woman who um, is almost, I don't know, she almost like a, a witch or something, um, you know, meaning that she, I feel she has a little bit of mystical powers. Like she just knows things. She doesn't know why she is told to go in her, in her intuition to go take this, this child from these parents. And she takes her into the forest. The parents are, um, German Nazis. And, um, maybe they weren't Nazis at the time, but they become Nazis. Um, and she is raised in the forest by this old woman who lives to be like a hundred years old. And she trains her, like educates her amazingly. She, they're in this forest, but they, you know, sneak into towns and get books and supplies and things like that. But she trains her to, um, she's very well read. She knows how to defend herself 
Um, she knows how to live in the forest in all four seasons. You know, she knows how to um, make medicines. And if you if you read Clan of the Cave Era, I'm getting real like Ayla vibes from this this girl. Um, it's different for Ayla because it was like Neanderthal times, and she was like inventing all these things. But this, she just she just is a a fountain of knowledge about the world and you know science and religion and um, you know botany and just in survivalist all this stuff so um what's happening when this girl is around 20 is that um it's world war ii and this forest um is bordering um poland and so terrible atrocities are happening and jews are fleeing ghetto their ghettos into the forest to try to survive and of course they don't really know how to and this girl has been raised alone um, with no other interaction with people really except for this woman her whole life for a couple decades at this point and um, and then she meets up with these other um, people that are trying to survive and um, so anyways it's it's very good it's a quick read it's well written um, I I feel so immersed in the story so I uh, absolutely recommend it I'll tell you next time if I don't like the way it ends but um, it's, it's a really well written book uh, story called Forest of Vanishing Stars. Um, you know, I always have a, uh, a book that I'm reading, like on my Kindle. And then I, in addition to that, I have an audio book that I'm listening to when I'm uh, going for a walk or doing errands or um, doing, you know, uh, chores or whatever. And so um, I won't, <laughs> I won't bore you with the details, but man, I'm just re-listening to the Louise Penny books, the Inspector Gamache books that I, I know and love. And um, so I worked, I have worked through Kingdom of the Blind and A Better Man. So now I'm up to the two books that I actually own um, and I've listened to a gazillion times. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I, I've got to find something new to, to listen to, but man, I just, those love those books. They're just the, the quality of the, the audio is, is amazing and man, they can put me to sleep when that's when I need them to do. I also don't have a ton to talk about for the TVs and TV shows and movies. Um, but I did want to highly recommend on Netflix, the summer of soul. So this is the documentary that won um, best documentary won an Oscar. You may have missed that fact because it was announced right after the Will Smith Chris Rock slap. <laughs> so things were a little bit crazy right then. So you may have missed it. But this um, was put together by I don't know if you know who he is. This guy Questlove, and um, it kind of uh, it it was a six week. Um, music festival in Harlem in 1969 that was filmed to be a documentary but it's the same time Woodstock happened and so apparently all this this um, video footage existed and just sat there for 50 years um, before Questlove picked it up and turned it into the documentary that it always should have been and so if you liked for instance get back um the the beatles this is very different because that's like you know this process of making an album and it's way longer this is a the summer of souls a two-hour documentary but if you just kind of love that inside track on um on how you know these kind of into the music industry this is it was great and you are going to see some very young people that you recognize like 
a baby Gladys Knight. Oh my gosh, she looks so young. So he's got Gladys Knight in the pips, a super young Stevie Wonder. As a matter of fact, I think Stevie Wonder was 19. B.B. King, Sly and the Family Stone looking so young. Um, Nina Simone, just it's it, it was amazing. So that was really fun to watch with my husband and my son, who's a jazz drummer and who loves Questlove. So, um, so I highly recommend that. Um, we also watched during uh, spring break there when my son was home, The Tinder Swindler. Have you seen this? Um, it's a based on a true story of a man who on twin on Tinder would um, hook up with these women and start relationships with them. And I I assume that he kind of targeted rich women because then he would swindle them out of money. But as the the show is progressing from the beginning, I'm like, but this, this, this girl's got no money. Well, that doesn't matter. He'll still get money out of you. He'll have you borrow money. To give to him so but it, it's true story it has a rather unsatisfying ending to be honest with you but it was um you know if you're just looking for a little bit of a trashy watch the tinder swindler was good it'll leave you a little bit outraged um we are working our way through yellowstone i think we just got two episodes left so i uh, yeah i didn't think that show was gonna get me but it got me <laughs> So yeah, I've already canceled our Peacock subscription so that when we're done with that, I can move on to Paramount Plus and start in on my Discovery and and Picard obsessions. So that'll be fun. I'll talk to you about that next time. Um, And then I got an email from my local PBS station. So I know every... PBS station's a little bit different, so I don't know if this is true for you, but we they have just dropped new episodes of Call the Midwife, which I'm excited to get back to. I have not yet, but also Sanditon, and Sanditon is something that I watched a few years ago, and season two finally dropped. I mean, I think it's been, time is so weird with COVID, but um, two at least two years. As a matter of fact, I tried to start watching episode one yesterday of Sanditon of season two, and I'm just like, I don't remember enough about the show, so I had to start the whole thing over again. I think it's only eight or ten episodes, so um, I've got, you know, I got time. So I've started that over, and that's really fun. So it is about a seaside town in England, and the this guy who is um, trying to make it a, a destination place um, that people come, you know, to the seaside in England, and it's, oh gosh, what is the time period? I don't know. People are wiring empire waist dresses and the men are wearing top hats so it's 1800s I guess it's you know pride and prejudice time think of that that way and um so it focuses on this young girl who is a farmer's daughter and she helps um this guy whose idea it is to turn Sanditon into a destination she helps him out and he invites her to stay with his family so you've got the the young wide-eyed innocent girl going to the city where you know it's kind of like a holiday city right and she's staying with a family that is much wealthier than her and then there's a a woman who is the um who's old and she is the main person who has invested her money into turning sanditon into this place and she is just you know think um maggie smith from downton abbey in a way you know it's just like this old grumpy woman that everybody just tries to make happy all the time and um, so, of course, they're trying to build a, build up this town. Things are going wrong. Um, yeah, it's it's a very enjoyable, if you love these, you know, period piece PBS-type shows, you will love Sanditon. So definitely check that one out. 
And before we head into our last segment, I'd like to thank Silk and Sonder for being a sponsor of the podcast. Silk and Sonder is a monthly journal subscription. Each month has a theme. I just received my April one, and that theme is Radiance. Also, every theme has like a color scheme, and this one has just the most beautiful watercolor. Roses, there's a whole very springy pink and rose and green theme. And um, every month has some similar elements. It's got a monthly layout, a weekly layout. It's got plenty of empty pages to do your own freeform journaling. It has reflections about last month, things like that. But then there are new elements every month. Well, also there's a coloring page and a, a recipe every month, but those change. So that's pretty cool. So the, the, um, the journal prompt pages have to do with the theme. So um, this month, the theme is radiance. And so there's some prompts that say, close your eyes and think, think about what makes you feel most alive and radiant. And then it has you apply some of those thoughts to professional relationships and personal relationships and, and, and basically prompts that are trying to get you to um, figure out what makes you tick so that you can do more of that. Um, so I love that. There's some exercises, um, there's poetry, there's places to do sketches, things like that. And there's plenty of time and place for you to plan out your week, figure out what your, your major goals are for the week, what your major to-dos are, help you track your habits, things like that. So I absolutely love this. I actually have the stickers that have the same color theme as this month, so I'm using those, which is a little out of my wheelhouse usually, but that's kind of adding just a little bit more of a fun um, element to it. I attended the Sonder Social for the monthly setup, which is one of my most fun things to do. So it's it's a, a uh, an Eventbrite event. You sign up there. You can search for it there. And um, I did it just a couple days before you know April started. So I was able to really you know transfer things from my March journal into my April and really uh, figure out how I wanted to set up the whole month for success. And so I love that. And there's a person who leads it and the very active chat where people are putting in their own ideas for different things. So there's just really a lot of inspiration. And then they often save the the Spotify playlists that they play in the background. And I have listened to some of those as I'm working because people really know how to put together good playlists. So anyways, I am still enjoying uh, my Silk and Sondra journal. If you are interested, then there's a link in the show notes and you can use the code um she 15 was a simple handmade every day 15 to get 15 percent off if you want to give a subscription a try so let's head into our last segment um which i think is going to be about homemaking this time it's spring here are you guys getting the urge to do kind of a spring clean now i know with the fly lady method you never have to spring clean again which is fine but i do have the urge to kind of dive a little bit deeper and change out some of uh, my decor stuff. So this week, the zone for me personally was our family room, which is, you know, like our TV room. And I've been wanting to um, vacuum out, you know, first of all, pull the sofa away from the wall and get behind it. We have hardwoods. And so, man, the dust bunnies really multiply back there. Pull out all the cushions and vacuum and then flip them, you know, for better wear. So I did that with a sofa and two chairs. And one of those chairs is a leather chair. And I was like, oh, you know, this could really use a little bit of work. So I have these um, leather conditioning wipes 
um, in, in that I've purchased before. So it's just kind of like a disinfectant wipe, but it's got leather conditioner. And I wiped that whole leather chair down and man, does it look shiny and great. And it just, it looks better. It feels better. So that, that felt really good. So then I was kind of on a roll and, um, my husband actually had been asking me, when are we going to swap out these fuzzy pillows? In the winter, I have these fuzzy pillows that I personally love, but he does not love them. So I got out the new pillow, you know, or they're, you know, new and that we're going to rotate them in. I've had them for a while um, and actually washed all the pillow covers, even the ones that were in the, in the, the uh, linen closet. I was just like, I want everything to smell really fresh washed all those, hung them out to dry. And so swapped all that out. And then while I was on a washing frenzy, I washed all the quilts that we have in the family room. And there's, I don't know, maybe 10 and um, folded and put away the Christmas and even the winter quilts um, and brought out more of the lightweight and smaller ones um, that were just kind of at the bottom of the basket there. And, um, so that all felt really good. Just everything is just kind of clean and fresh. So I don't know if you feel that way that you just are getting that urge as the light is changing. Um, I want to have flowers on the kitchen table all the time, which Trader Joe's is the place to go for that. So, so kind of, um, you know, in that, that, uh, headspace. Oh, and then we, as long as I was doing the family room, we have this rug in there. It's a, it's, we have hardwood. So it's like an eight by 10 rug that when I freshened up our family room decor wise and lightened it up about three or four years ago, I just got a, a light rug from Home Depot to kind of see if I liked it and it's time to replace that rug. So I am on a mission right now to replace that with more one of those kind of faded Persian rug looks. Um, I think I've got one picked out, um, on uh, rugsdirect.com. I tried rugs.com, which I thought I'd find something, did not. So so we'll see, I'll let you know if that works out. I gotta run that by the, the hubby, but that's gonna feel good to kind of bring that, um, that, that room, kind of freshen it up. I actually purchased some new pillow covers. So I follow the Nestor for a lot of home decor things. And she is a huge advocate of using um, feather pillow inserts with covers that have zippers so that you can just swap out the pillow covers. So that's what I've been doing here. Um, but I bought some on Amazon that should be here tomorrow that are, they're still kind of a, I have a very neutral family room. I have a very neutral home, which is kind of kind to, to me because my husband, I think really likes color. So we got some blue pillow covers. They're still kind of, um, linen-y and kind of got that, uh, kind of a neutrally vibe, but uh, I, I hope that those work out because that'll interject a little bit of color. And actually the rug that I'm thinking about is very, very muted and neutrally, but ever so slightly blue. And I'm not sure if that would be a mistake because I don't want to lock myself into blue, but if there's any color I want to lock myself into, it is in fact blue. <laughs> so, so we'll see how that goes. So speaking of, um, you know, trying to to knock things out here I have shared before that going into this year I actually had four big things I wanted to do the first one was plan a, a big vacation and we did that it's it's in September and it's in Italy and I'm worried sick that, <laughs> that it's going to be a terrible time to go to Europe but that's done for now the other three were um, to uh, create a cutting garden and I got to tell you so I'm going to tell you about these next three um goals and how they're going 
and um, spoiler that they're not all going great. <laughs> We're in April, so we've had I've got three months behind me here, and I am not as far along on any of them as I thought I would be, but I am still persisting. I write them in my calendar, in my journal, every single week, and then these are my big three, and what small things can I do to move them forward? And I have been working on them. It's just that it's it's frustrating and things don't always go as they are, are planned. So the cutting garden, let's start with the cutting garden. I have, um, I, I, I prepared the bed. I've started seeds. They're in the ground. And where I live, it's recommended that you actually do start them in the ground. And those little seeds, they germinate, they come up, and then something's eating them. <laughs> So I planted, I don't know, like a hundred seeds and I have about a 10% germination rate as of, actually the germination rate was much higher, but when I went and double checked on them this weekend, uh, there's maybe 10. So I reseeded them all, um, but I have a feeling the same thing's going to happen. So I'm not sure my cutting garden idea is going to happen this year. It's probably early enough that I could start some inside or perhaps... If I had like um, some sort of a shelving outside where I could still start them outside, but they wouldn't, you know, with, with like a, you know how you have seed starting trays that actually have a little plastic thing over the top. If I didn't have them on the ground, but on shelves or something outside, I kind of wonder if I couldn't bring them along further before I planted them, which would not leave them as susceptible to being eaten. I'm not really sure because I don't know what's eating them, but I am... I'm a little bummed um, because it would be very expensive to do a cutting garden from purchased, you know, plants. And I'm not sure there's that many that have long enough stems. You know, I feel like bedding plants that you buy at nurseries are often, you know, at most 12 to 18 inches. And, you know, I want cutting. I want two, three, four feet tall kind of plants. So I don't know. So I've worked very hard. I've, um, I'm, I've taken the steps that I've needed to, but you know, this year just might be um, a learning curve year and it might not go anywhere. But it has gotten me outside every weekend. And so now I can kind of transfer that energy over to just preparing the rest of the yard and, you know, getting into, um, you know, a summer gardening season for just, you know, the rest of the yard. The second uh, big goal of mine is my master bathroom renovation. And this one, I have worked so hard on this and it is. <laughs> I feel like it's gotten almost nowhere. But finally, I think we have picked out uh, a vanity. Um, we're going with a custom cabinet. We're using Home Depot. And um, the last thing that was my foiled attempt was we were going to go order it yesterday. And then the lady wasn't there. <laughs> but we're going to get that ordered this week. And it takes 14 weeks for that cabinet to come in. So that during that 14 weeks that I'm going to figure out the flooring, the the sink, the faucet, the paint, the light, and all that, and have those decisions made, things purchased, so when they come in to do that vanity, then everything else will happen um, pretty quickly, hopefully. So my goal is that that will be done by the end of the summer. Um, but just making, finally having a decision and making progress has, has felt really good on that. And it is crazy expensive. It, this whole project's going to cost twice what I thought it was. And I might just be out of touch, but you know, everything is so expensive right now, but it needs to be done. It's going to be done. And then the last one is my health, which is to lose some weight and to establish a, uh, a strength training routine. Um, thank you for those of you that have sent some strength training, um, uh, people to follow um, my way. I really appreciate that. 
The strength training thing, uh, I found a good program. I have not been super consistent on it, so I need to do better there. But um, I've been tracking my food on the this app called Healthy with an I at the end instead of a Y, which is honestly a Weight Watchers knockoff. Um, and you know what? Tracking works for me, even though I, I'm, I wish it didn't. I wish I wish I could do it other ways. And so I've been pretty successful and I've lost, um, lost some weight on that. So I'm just going to keep that going, figuring out what works. Kind of fell off it for a while. So that is the, the um, that's where the proof really comes in is because you're not going to do it perfectly forever, right? So now um, I've been back on track for a few days and, and that feels good. So so I, the, the rebound is important. So, so yeah, that's what's uh, kind of going on. I'm a big three. Um, I'm curious if you guys, th- this, let me just say that um, really hyper-focusing on, on three big goals is, is really working for me. Um, I'm usually the kind of person that wants to set 15 goals because they're all the things I want to do. Um, and then I don't get anywhere, but I'm just like, if I got to 2023 and, um, these were the only things that I could really go back and say, you know, let's just say like, I'm down to goal weight. We did that bathroom project and we went on a good vacation. Um, and the cutting garden was a loss, but I tried, I'd be super happy. So he's, you know, like really hyper-focusing is, is really helping me. So I'm curious if you've tried that or are you the kind of person that, that sets a million goals or um, can really focus on a few or maybe, you know, you don't set goals at all and you just are, you know, more um, free on your whims. I don't know. So um, that's it for this week. There were no new reviews. Um, so I would just, again, like to encourage you wherever you listen to the podcast, um, I think most people, according to the stats, listen to it on Apple Podcasts, but wherever you are, I would appreciate a rating and review. And just so that you know, this um, podcast is available on Spotify and on YouTube. I feel like a few, uh, people have kind of discovered that it's on YouTube. Now, that's not a video podcast. It's just audio with like one picture up. Maybe one day I will do a little bit more of a video podcast so I could show you things and that would be fun, but I don't have the setup for that right now. But anyways, um, if you would rate and review, I would really appreciate it. And I have a wonderful week. You can find me online at my blog, Simple Handmade Every Day, that always has show notes for every episode, on Instagram at Kristen Esser. And please consider joining the Simple Handmade Every Day private Facebook group so that we can keep the conversation going. 